welcome to Roar with Sparks. How loud is your roar? I am your host, Kristen Sparks. I am the CEO and founder of Roar Inc., Voices Are Power, communications and connections company. I am a corporate and personal growth facilitator. I am an infinite possibilities and certified success principles trainer, currently working on my master certification for the success principles and my BVC coaching certification. I am a facilitator, author, speaker, and thought leader. I am a cancer, broken heart, body, and soul thriver. 2022 is a power year and all about living our best life. I may live with chronic pain, but I find joy in every day in the act of getting up and having a new day filled with infinite options, opportunities, and possibilities of success. Roar with Sparks, How Loud Is Your Roar is all about you. Come join the conversation as we gather weekly to share wisdom, insight, and value, learning from and giving to each other and our special guest, sending our vibration higher and charging each other up all while having fun. Can't wait to see you here. How loud is your roar? Well, hello and welcome back to Roar with Sparks. I am Kristen Sparks, your host, and I am so excited. I have a friend from the other side of the pond, Nylita Logan, with the So Damn Worthy podcast. She is an amazing host, and I am so honored to have you on my podcast. Thank you for coming in, Nylita. Thank you for having me today, Kristen. I'm so excited. So tell me some about... What's so damn worthy and why you started such a great name of a podcast. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. So I started the Self-Worth Society, which is the mother hub. So the Self-Worth Society is a social network where we help women rediscover their self-worth through connecting them with industry experts and amazing people like yourself on our podcast called the So Damn Worthy Podcast. And then we've got an online community as well. We're going to have events next year and some retreats are coming up as well, which I'm currently working on. So it's like an all-round network and the goal is to help women rediscover their self-worth and therefore step into the best versions of themselves, whoever that may be when that comes into fruition. So the So Damn Worthy Podcast, that name I've had probably for like three to four years wrapped under my belt. And originally the Self-Worth Society was going to be called the So Damn Worthy Society. So I had the name already, but I wasn't really, it wasn't sitting right for the name of the actual company itself. And then as I got into it, I was like, okay, I really want to get into a podcast. I had a YouTube channel, but I wasn't really doing much with it. And I was like, I really want to have a podcast. And I think kind of that's where the mainstream is going. So I'm just going to follow kind of what's working. And this obviously was working as well. So I was like, okay, let me just go with the flow a podcast is good so I was like a name I was like oh god I need a name what's a name that I'm gonna like, that I like and I was going back and forth with myself and then I was like oh do you remember that name that you were gonna call the company and I was like okay cool so the so damn worthy podcast came back around again and then yeah that's where we're at right now with it it's so amazing we as women grow up in this idea that we have to be a certain way and prove something to the world in order to be accepted or respected. And it is so frustrating for me to see that even in generations behind me, that that's still the case. I 
did not realize when I was younger that you couldn't do certain things. My parents were pretty good about letting me dream and dream big, which was phenomenal in and of itself. But then there was this company that came along and brought, while lovely movies, <laughs> they, they had a really good way of kind of making sure that little girls knew while they could be princesses and they could be queens, they were still under the rule of someone else's thumb. Mm. And I don't know, I'm not going to really say the name. We all know the, the name. It's a big name. So it kind of started this idea that maybe we couldn't be all those things. And for me, like I wanted to be a pilot. Well, at the time, women weren't pilots. Well, I'm going to be the first woman pilot. And while my parents were like, sure, you could do that, there was all of these other layers out there that kind of proved that I couldn't do it at the time. And then there was none of this understanding that we were truly being groomed to live subserviently. And as I grew up and went through my own awakening, it frustrates me that your generation is still going through that same struggle, that it hasn't changed. So what do you think that we can do as women to push that beyond this struggle, this repeating this same pattern over and over again? Well, I think first we need to understand where it's actually coming from. So society telling me one thing but my parents are telling me another thing. So it's like, who do I trust? Well, I'm going to trust people that are raising me. So I've definitely had that struggle of going through like, okay, I don't know what the hell is happening in this world. I mean, I think it went from one generation was external people, like I would say men in the workplace saying like, you can't, it's making it difficult for women to get into certain jobs and stuff like that. Nowadays, it's social media telling you that you have to compare your every single move to someone else online. So yeah, I would say find out where it's coming from first. Are you comparing your life to someone else's? If you are, let's figure out why. Let's break that down into micro parts. A lot of times there's issues with relationships, there's issues in the workplace. There's, it just comes out of everywhere, basically. So I would always say to people, find out where it's coming from first and then work from there. And also don't be afraid to get help. I think a lot of people are like, I have to figure this out by myself. You don't, <laughs> that's... <laughs> That's such a lie. You don't have to figure it out by yourself. You definitely have to put in the work in your own time. And also one thing that I definitely encourage people to do is, especially like my best friend as well, is I always encourage people to get comfortable with your own self, like get comfortable in your skin. And I think that's where a lot of things like self-worth can kind of kick in or they're, they're very needed because you've got people always telling you that you can and can't do things, but you have to know deep down that you can. And then it's just like an external battle that you're going to have to face rather than internal and external. I mean, tackle the inside first, get comfortable and confident in your abilities to do things. So if you want to fly a plane, then make sure that you know you can fly a damn good plane. <laughs> make sure that you can fly it to the best of your ability and that anyone who's like, she can't do it, she's a woman or she can't do it because of whatever else, you can be like, actually, <laughs> let me show you, I can loop the loop around your ass all day, every day. So get comfortable with your ability to do things, grow the confidence, get that unshakable self-worth going, and then just tackle everything else from there. Right. I would agree with you 100%. I think the biggest struggle that I faced 
was thinking that I was by myself, thinking that I had to do it alone because I didn't fit into this group or that group, then I was by myself. And there's a struggle with women, I think, in really competing and comparing with each other. Yeah. And I don't want another woman to feel like she's on this earth by herself. There is sisterhood. There is a lot of community where we can come together and really support each other. And I think that's probably, for me, my biggest mission in life is to bring that community together and to really, really support other women and other women entrepreneurs, other women and executives, other women individually to believe in their own worth. I heard the name of your podcast and... <laughs> I will reach now. Going, oh, that is one I definitely, definitely <laughs> want to meet the woman who's behind this, this brand, because this is amazing. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. Your work is so important. It's so important for the world to know, especially women. I love men, don't get me wrong. But I know for me, that's where I need to start is with women and really encouraging them to meet themselves to meet that, that goddess that we have inside of us. And no matter where you are right now, I'm here. You're here. Let's come together. Let's become a force to be reckoned with because women are amazing. You put us in a room together and you start getting, you know, magic. It's incredible. It is so incredible. So Tell me about what your plans are next year. You're talking about some retreats, which you know that I do. And you're talking about, you know, some other things. Tell me what's going on. So I've always dreamed, like dream, dream, dream on my vision board, which is right next to me. I've got events and retreats and like luncheons in between those, but um, mainly events. I want the whole base of the company to be like an online network, the podcast, and then most bulk is events probably like two to three times a year and I'm a big manifester so my visual manifestations are thousands of women in one room and I'm going to have guests on the stage and we're all going to be talking about worth and the worth will be pouring out of everyone's ears and we'll all just be celebrating life and learning from each other and soaking up all of the knowledge that we possibly can in those present moment and time and I'd love to have people dancing and moving and writing notes down and taking away from that present moment in time as much as they possibly can and then going and putting that into their own life. So that's pretty much the events. And then the retreats are more personalized. I want to say like 10 to 20 women and it's just more like going to Bali and sitting in a house together and just talking and connecting and growing and not really guest speakers but more just like psychologists and therapists come down and kind of work through each kink with those individual women so it's a bit more of a personalized experience and yeah that's kind of how I'm going to tackle the world <laughs> that's my plan for world domination it's <laughs> one one event and retreat at a time <laughs> Yes, I love that. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Let's tackle the world and rule the world. Most definitely. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and I always I always focus on women in particular because 
we shape the experience of those coming after us and that's always going to be kids so my focus is always to get the mummies and the aunties and the sisters and the cousins and everybody get the older ladies involved and then when the youngers come up and they go oh what is this or this is how I'm dealing with this at school or she has this and I don't have that like my niece came to me probably like a month ago and she was like I just need to lose some weight by the way she's 10 and she is athletic like she has an athlete's body she is thin or should I say slim and shapely she's muscular and she came to me and she said I need to lose weight and my heart was like cracking (laughs) and we had to have a sit down conversation I just told her how beautiful she was and that's the way that God made your body and this is why you like like this because you're so active and you eat well and and we had to have that conversation and I think she was warping what she should look like versus someone online who was a 30 something year old lady who has had two kids and who had been a bit more shape. I think she was a Latina. So she had been actually had like wider hips and she had a big bum and she had like curves and she had breasts. And I was like, baby, you haven't even hit puberty. Like you can't compare yourself. You're 10 and she's like 34. There is no comparison. So that was a conversation that we had to have. And it's interesting to see that though the younger generation don't even realize that they're comparing themselves to people that are not even on the same level as them as of yet. So it was for me, had I not done the inner work myself, I probably would have been like, no, you're okay. I probably wouldn't told her to lose weight, but I would have been like, yeah, no, you're fine. Don't worry about it. It's fine. And then just gone about my day. I wouldn't have had that in-depth conversation with the knowledge that I have now. So it was nice to see me like practically applying what I'm actually trying to put out into the world. So things like that, like that's why my focus is women, not girls. It's we tackle the women as they're raising the younger generation, whether that's your cousin, your sister, your brother, it doesn't matter who it is. It's we're shaping the next generation's coming. We are. And I love the fact that you are recognizing that we do need to shape women because we as women, and I will take 100% responsibility for the fact that I did not raise my children the way that I would have liked to have raised them, at least not with what I know now. I did the best that I could with what I had at the time. Had we had the platform that we have now, it would have been a whole different ballgame. But as a mother, it was my responsibility to instill in my children their value. It was my responsibility to instill in my children my values. And it was my responsibility to make sure that those values instilled worth within each of them. So while we may be instilling our values, (laughs) we may not be instilling necessarily the values that are going to provide our children with the worth that they need in themselves. So what I mean by all of that is if the generation that I raised does not produce their own value, does not understand their own value, does not realize their own value, does not excel in themselves, then it was my responsibility or I did not do my job because I did not provide them with the foundation that they needed. We as mothers are the ones who are teaching our sons to behave in the way that they behave. We are teaching our daughters to believe that they do not have value. And so I think it's absolutely beautiful that you get that, that you get it takes a village. It does take a lot of work. And we have to start where we are. I am not 
saying that there's anything wrong with any woman out there. I am not discounting any woman's efforts in anything that they've ever done. I'm saying, look, let's look at what we have done. Let's take responsibility where we need to. And let's do something to change this conversation. I'm not blaming you. I am not shaming you. I am not trying to guilt you. I'm just saying, I know where I was coming from. I know what I did. And I know that I'm not the only one out there because we have this culture that believes that women don't have the same worth. If we didn't, women would not be struggling to have the same income, to have the same rights. Nobody would be telling a woman whether or not she has a right to do anything because we would have this freedom to make those decisions for ourselves. So obviously there's a problem. Yes. And it's also changing a lot though. Like we obviously were making quite a bit of noise as women in terms of what is naturally ours to have. So we're definitely changing that narrative, which I really, really love. And I appreciate that you touched on being a mother and the impact that parents have on their kids' lives. But I would say a second impact, maybe in a little bit more of an impact is the environment. And that's not always the home environment. Sometimes that's the workspace. Sometimes it's the school playground. Sometimes it's the walk to the shop where you get catcalled by people. It can be more than a mum's impact. And I think what you're doing and what I'm doing and, and all the other kind of businesses like ours is, a, is very important because your parents can give you everything that they have and they can pass that down to you and that's all they know in that present moment in time and they can always have the best intention and sometimes when you're young you don't want to hear what your parents have to say and sometimes it's like ugh, you know if your mum tells you you're pretty even though you don't feel pretty you're like oh but you're my mum you have to say that it's different when you hear it from other people sometimes and I think when you're hearing it from the right people not someone who has ill intentions for you, not the person that's trying to get into your pants and they call you beautiful and then you get attached because they called you pretty and then things go down the wrong way. If you want to hear it from the right people, and I think more spaces like ours need to be out there so that people who don't necessarily want to hear it from mum all the time can go to those places and get that advice and speak to those people freely and honestly and knowing that they don't have any ill intentions for you and they want nothing but the best for you. Oh, most definitely. And, and having that fallback, we need to know that there are people there that we can trust and that they do have our best intentions because that's huge, knowing that I have a support system behind me. And it's hard for us as women, at least it was for me, to ask for help. I always believed that I had to do it myself you know, I didn't have that support system. And so that was one of the reasons once I learned how to ask for help, that I wanted to put those in place, those protections for other women and to let them know that they have that help if they need it. Yeah. I find it very interesting though, because I've always felt like men had it more, I would say, difficult in terms of asking for help. There's a lot of men that don't want to step forward and ask for help. And it surprises me especially getting into this and creating this business, it surprised me the amount of women that don't want to ask for help. I thought it was only a man thing. I thought women always talked and I've always just thought women openly speak about needing more assistance, but come to find that's not the truth. And then it's funny because I started this 
whole company because I didn't ask for help. So I was like, <laughs> I'm like, Nadia, figure your shit out. Like, honestly, it's just, it's really interesting. The whole premises of the company was because I didn't want to burden my mum with coming forth and saying like, this is how I'm feeling until I was about 15 years old when we actually got professional help for me. But before that, I was like, I'm just going to figure this out by myself. And it was the hardest experience I've I mean, I've gone through worse, but it was definitely one of the hardest experiences, especially at that age. And I remember sitting down with my mum one time at the dinner table and she was literally like, I've had your dad through my depression. I've had your aunts through my depression. I've had my mum, my sisters, my best friends. I was like, that's a lot of people. She's like, I've leaned on every single one of them while going through my depression whilst raising you and your brother. And I was like, so you had people around you? And she was like, I've never shied from asking for help. I was like, okay, right, that's where I'm going wrong. And it was when I was like, okay, I actually need help. She was like, cool, let's get you a therapist. Let's sit down and talk more often. Where's your best friend at? How does she know what's going on? Like, And I was like, no, she has no idea. And she was like, you need to start speaking to people. So it's it's when my mum was like, open your mouth and say, what is the problem? Like, what is the matter? It was only then that it switched in my head and it just became such an easier journey, still difficult, but easier. You know, I didn't tell anyone that my mom went through a complete and utter mental breakdown when I was 12. And I was embarrassed. For me, I heard, and I don't know that they really said it, but I heard, don't air your dirty laundry. And so I didn't, I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell anyone that my parents were getting divorced because they were the first ones in the neighborhood. You know, so they were the first ones that I knew of in my school, let alone the neighborhood that were getting divorced. So I didn't, wasn't going to tell them that. And every step that I took after that was so full of muck. And it didn't come to me until I was in my late 20s that, oh, there's a problem. I need to get through this and I need to ask for help in order to do that. But it's still took a really long time for me to understand because I'm hard-headed. <laughs> I have to go through a really a lot of punches. I'm like, what? Why? You know, I woke up a long time ago. What happened? You know, why am I still doing this? But when I was, what I say, the universe knocked me on my ass in 2013. And I was in such pain, mentally, physically, emotionally. And I thought, I can't live this way. There's no way that I can live this way. And so I started contemplating suicide and how can I do it gently so that it's not going to be a mess if anyone finds me? Because, you know, as women, we don't want it to be a mess. And my wife came home from work and I looked at her and I said, I don't want to be here anymore and I need help. And I was on suicide watch for a couple of weeks. I had friends, my daughter, I wouldn't have made it without the help. And it suddenly made sense. Well, at the same time, I was a big sister, not that I want to tell anyone else's story, but her journey and my journey were similar. And she was integral in saving my life because I was of service to someone else. So not only is the help something we need to reach out for, we also need to be of service for others 
because that lifts our spirits, that lifts our souls, that makes our lives worth living because now we are of service to each other. I agree 1000%. It's funny said that my niece, Amelia, was born around the same time that I had opened up about needing more help. And I put all of my energy into her, like all of my energy and effort into her. And I too went through the suicidal period in my life. And every time I contemplated, I, I, I would plan it. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to do it like this. I'm going to do it like this. And then I would, I would hear her going up the stairs in my head, looking for me. And I would imagine her finding me first. <sighs> and I was always like, I can't, I can't do that. She was like my grounding thing. And then my mum was my grounding thing. So like, yeah, I definitely agree. Attach your life in a healthy way, attach your life to someone else's. Because I think we're all put here to give each other a service of some sort. Right. I had a problem with the word service because I don't want to be of servitude, but I do want to be of service. I don't want to serve you, but I want to be of service to you. So thought processes, perspectives, if we can change those a little bit, we can definitely change the way that we come for each other, that we are helpful to each other. And some people look at help, you know, needing help as a weakness, where if you look at it in the perspective of teamwork in a football team, men are taught this from a young age, and teamwork is asking for help. Teamwork is building something that is beyond you, that you are stronger as groups, you're stronger together than you are as separate. So what do they say? You're more than your parts. So women, if we can change our perspective of asking for help as building a support system, building a village to help us, building a community to assist where we can't, to pick up where we're off, to pick up when we're tired, when we need a little extra sleep or some self-care or whatever it might be. And we don't have to rely only on one person. So if we have you know, a household of two, we don't have to just rely on that other person. I know a lot of mothers that feel like well, I have to wait until the dad comes home or my wife comes home or whatever the other person might be comes home. If we have community, then you've got this, oh, I can ask Rose if she's not available. I can ask Nailita, I can ask Kristen, I can ask Sharon, I can whoever. I don't have to wait for someone else to do something because I have this whole community behind me. I think that's attached to the word burden as well. Men are more okay with asking for favors. I've noticed this, like my dad and my brother have no problem with asking for a favor. But when it comes to my mom and I, we're like, ah, don't want to burden this person. Don't want to do that. So like in the example that you've just used in terms of a parent relationship, you have to wait for the other parent to come back or mom feels like she can't take a moment out or, you know, she's leaving her child behind and it's like, no, there's another parent for a reason. And you've got family members and there's other people, you're not burdening people. And this is the thing that I think is just a big issue is the feeling that you're burdening people when you ask for help. And I think those people who are reciprocating that or receiving that, shall I say, 
I think they would appreciate that more than knowing that you're going through a struggle and you refuse to ask for help. It's definitely easier said than done. I'm a walking testament of that myself. It's definitely easier said than done, but it's doable. And that's all we need to cling to is just like, if we can actually, this is something that's tangible and we can genuinely need to have this conversation and say, look, I need help. Don't be afraid to do it. And if you're too embarrassed or you don't want to burden your family or immediate, then get external help. There's therapists in the world. Shock. There are people that are trained specifically to help you through whatever you're going through. You don't have to talk to your family. Like you have other options. You know, if you go to school when you're younger, then talk to your teachers. Every school I think has a school therapist. Go speak to a school therapist. If you're in a workspace, most workspaces will subsidize a therapist or they give you like a certain amount of therapy sessions for free or you can speak to your direct line manager and they can probably recommend you something. You have options. There are people that you can speak to outside of your immediate circle that will help you get used to opening up and having those conversations. Mental health doesn't have to be a taboo subject anymore. Like it doesn't have to be a secret. Now we can talk about it, you know, it's out in the open. So you're not burning anyone. If you don't want to talk to your family, immediate, your immediate family, then get a therapist, talk to someone at work, talk to someone at school, talk to your best friend or anyone, and then it will become easier to have that conversation. For me, there's a lot of critic inside, and I call my inner critic Nanette. I think we talked about her before. <laughs> if we haven't, like, that's what I call her. She is also the one who will tell me, and I know it sounds like I've got a split personality. I really don't, but <laughs> she's the one or the voice that's in my head that says that you can't tell people, you know, you don't air your dirty laundry. It's still in there going round and round and round. And we as women have to be able to step back and take a minute to breathe and say, it's okay. We can find our support systems. We can find our safeties. That's really, really important is to make sure people that you're talking to are the safeties, that they do have your best interest at heart. They are not your negative builders. They're not your abusers. So there are a multitudes, like you said, of different places now that you can reach out to. And it's, wow, the internet has changed our lives so much. Now you can ask Siri or Google or whatever, I need help. Who do I talk to? Don't ever let lack of resources stop you. Don't let your inner critic stop you from reaching out for what you need because you are so important. You are so valuable and worthy of having a support system in a community and whatever assistance that you need, no matter where you are. You know, I have been where I literally went to the grocery store and gave them change to pay for the groceries so that I could feed my family. I have been where I've had enough money to go on a, a lavish vacation. So I have been in a lot of different places financially. I've been in a lot of different places emotionally, physically, and there is ways of finding the hands that you need that are going to pull you through whatever you're struggling with. And Nylita or I would be more than happy to reach our hand out and help you up. I'd love to add 
if you're not comfortable with going outside and looking for help, you can start with yourself. And I found that when I started journaling, it made it an okay conversation. Because I think when you're internalizing things, it's, it's so much worse in your head than it is out loud. So I think writing it down, like, how was your day? If it was a shit day, then say that. That's fine. Just write it out talk about it get comfortable having a conversation I think that's what it is I think it's you have to get comfortable having the uncomfortable conversations and then it makes it less taboo and then when you go outside of that it's like okay I remember I said it like this in my journal so I'm just gonna repeat that and it starts the conversation off like you can even bring your journal into therapy session and be like I wrote this today and you can say it like that and then your therapist is like okay cool that's how you're feeling close it and let's digest let's just dive into it a bit more so get comfortable with it That's beautiful. I love starting that conversation with yourself and journaling. I love saying that life is worth and valuable enough that I'm going to sit down and deep dive for me in a journal. And then if I need additional help or need to go to a therapist or a coach or whatever, I can do that and I can bring that with me if I so choose. And I think people hear journaling and they always think that journaling is some big thing where you have to like write out a novel about what's happened in your day. Like you can just write, today I feel like crap, here's why. And I'm going to go to bed now. And the next day it can be a little bit more in depth. And the next day from there and from there, like you get comfortable with it. Like journaling is a habit. It's a habit that I'm very consistent with and I should be a lot more consistent. But when I do it, I feel so much better for it. Same thing with meditation. When I'm meditating, I just feel, I describe it as the same way as when I was on like antidepressants. For me, it's a kind of similar feeling, which is in my head, all my thoughts are kind of jumbled up. Whereas when I'm not meditating or when I wasn't on antidepressants, it was very just like, okay, so today I'm thinking this. and Oh, wait, no, 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 I wasn't thinking that. I'm thinking this. Oh, wait, no, 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 I wasn't thinking that. I was thinking this. So it's like, it organizes your mind. And it's the same thing that journaling does. It's some people call it a brain dump where you write out everything that's on your brain, just get it out on a piece of paper. And then you can like go through it because again, everything is worse in your head. You might have a list of things that you need to get done, but because you're saying the same thing over and over and over again, you're thinking it's a new thing on your list. So when you write it down, you're like, oh, I only had five things to do. But in your head, you told yourself you had 26. Get it out, look at it, prioritize and go from there. So yeah, just get it on a piece of paper. And then when you're comfortable with it, look for external help and then take that paper with you to that external help, whether that's your therapist, your aunt, whoever it is, and sit down and go for it with them. That's awesome. I meditate almost every day. And meditation, it doesn't have to be where you sit and you om for you know an hour. Meditation can be five minutes. I do one that's a smile meditation. And I visualize myself smiling at myself. And then I take that smile in and make it an energy all the way through my body. And it takes about six minutes, maybe. It can take longer if I want it to be. But it's, it's an easy, just gentle, let's get in touch with feeling good about myself today. Another that I love to do is the mirror exercise, where you stand in front of the mirror and you say, I love you. And I'm so proud of what you did today. So you're journaling almost to yourself while looking at yourself in the mirror. Because how many times do we get in front of the mirror and brush our teeth? We put our makeup on, but we never look at ourselves. We never deep dive into really knowing who we are. 
so that's another great one. And then the brag. I love to teach the art of the brag. We need to get comfortable with winning, with being proud of ourselves for each and every step that we take in our life. It's an amazing practice that has changed the way that I see myself. And then the last one that I will throw out there is the Hapanapana. And that is a forgiveness that you do for yourself. It's a Polynesian prayer. And it starts out with, I'm sorry. I forgive you. Thank you. I love you. And it's just real simple. You say it three times to yourself. And so you're just literally letting go of whatever it is that you think you might have made a mistake on. Whatever it is. And then you thank yourself for being you. And then I love you because, you know, damn it, I do. I do love me. So those are kind of some practices that you can throw in there with it. It's amazing. There are so many tools that we have today that we can take care of ourselves with. I also think that sometimes meditation has this really heavy connotation around it, which is like you said, you have to do that um, thing or you have to sit still and be quiet and you can't talk for five minutes or 10 minutes, or 15, however long you're doing it. Maybe take away the word meditation, just practice stillness, just practice sitting down and relaxing, if you want to call it that. For me, meditation is doing what you're doing while you're doing it. So it's just being present. You can meditate while you eat be present while you're eating, be present while you're watching TV, be present while you're reading a book, whatever you're doing, just be present. But the reason for me, I think the stillness of meditation is so important. It's because I'm never really quiet when I meditate. I'm always talking to myself about something, but it allows me to have a conversation with myself that I wouldn't really be open to having had I be on the way to work. Or if I'm speaking to a family member or a friend or a colleague, it's especially in London, we're so busy. London is such a fast paced city that there's always, it's very hustle and bustle and moving in quick and, and very, very quick. And I think it's so important to get comfortable with yourself. I think a lot of people are avoiding themselves. They're avoiding who they really are because they don't like that person. And it's okay if you don't like you, as long as you have an an idea of the ideal you, whatever that person looks like, you know, whether if you currently feel like you're not physically fit and your ideal version of yourself goes to the gym four to five times a week, then start, get comfortable with it. But you have to have that conversation with yourself first, which I think comes from sitting still and finding out like, who are you? What do you actually want from life? What do you want to do? Where in life is there a gap between who you want to be and who you currently are? And then how can we fill that gap? And then you put it into action. So definitely think if meditation feels like such a a word that is maybe for like guru people or people with shaved heads that sit in the Alps or, <laughs> or in mountains or whatever else, then maybe take away the word meditation if it feels a bit too heavy and, and just maybe say practicing stillness. We do. We put these labels on things and then we tend to lose ourselves in trying to fill time that if we were to just be wherever it is that we are, for five minutes, 
it will start to change our chemicals in our brain, the chemicals that run our heart, the energy systems that, that run the whole system start to align. And it makes it easier for us to then take that five minutes into 10 minutes and beyond. So each little step that we take, like visualizing, you know, I would like to have this ideal body. And in order to do that, I must go to the gym four or five times a week. How do I get there? Put one foot in front of the other. And that's all that meditation or stillness or mindfulness is, is just putting one foot in front of the other. And we can get to a place that Maybe we do a 10-day quiet retreat, which is a goal for me. I haven't gotten there yet. (laughs) The longest I've ever meditated is two hours, and that was really long for me. I was like, oh, my God, I meditated for two hours. That's a goal for me right now. I think my max is like 40 minutes, so I'm definitely working up to two hours. (laughs) There you go. I did it once. I don't need to do it again. (laughs) I feel you on that. I am really good at that. I am really, really good at that. I get to a goal and I go, oh, okay, I did that. I don't need to do that again. I, When I was 22, I decided I wanted to bench press 250 pounds. Nice. Right? Took me a year to get there. I did 10 repetitions and I walked away and I have never done it again, ever. <laughs> <laughs> you did your bit, babe. You did your bit. That's it. Right. I know. I mean, I was in the best shape ever. I was amazing. But yeah, anyway, so I'm like that. I will set a goal for myself and I will get to that goal. I'll achieve that goal. And then I walk away from it. We don't have to say, I am going to live this way the rest of my life if I do this. I proved to myself that I could do something. And I think that's really what was important to me. That was the lesson for me is to learn that I could achieve whatever I put my mind to and learning how to believe in my own value and my own self-worth. But I had to get comfortable with me to learn to brag, to learn to meditate, to learn to accept help. I had to get comfortable. And when you're willing to look at all of it, then you can deep dive into two hours of meditation or deep dive into a lot of other aspects. And then you start to grow. Then you start to really add to who you are and become who you were meant to be. It doesn't happen overnight. It's a practice. And we both know that, you know, it takes support Thank you so much for being here today. You're amazing. And I am so blessed to have met you. Oh, thanks. I really appreciate that. You honestly, when I came off our podcast, I was like, this woman is like, wow. Like your story and then how you've changed that into this beautiful community. It's so inspiring. And I'm so, I'm so blessed and grateful that we've connected. Well, I agree, but I agree because I think you're awesome. I think you're amazing. I am so excited about what you are putting together. You have a beautiful mission. We need to support each other. As women, we need to support each other. We need to wrap our arms around each other and hold each other. And we need to be there 
and I am so blessed to have met you and so grateful to have met you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for doing what you're doing and standing up and saying it's okay to not always be okay. 100%. Thank you so much, Kristen. Thank you. You bet. And thank you so much for being Roar with Sparks. How loud is your roar? You have got a great roar. What? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Roar with Sparks. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, rate, review, subscribe on your favorite podcast player. We can be reached at www.wrarinc.com. Thank you again, and we can't wait to see you here next week. How loud is your roar? <laughs>